We're going to be reading in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go Tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Amen. You may be seated. Yes, indeed. You may clap for that. Come on. That's... Are we done? That was it. Let's... We heard it all. Someone was asking, how are you feeling, you know, your first Easter? Well, if you're new here to the church, this is my first Easter preaching here as pastor. And I was like, Ugh, Jesus did the hard part. He had to do the whole rising from the dead thing. I just get to share the good news. Um, and that's what we're here to do. You know what? I spent the first half of my life not a Christian. And I remember coming to Christian events, and the worship part was always a little weird to me. You know, like the singing thing, I'm like, what is this, like a Christian karaoke thing? You know, I didn't know how to make sense of it, so if you're feeling that way, look, I get you, I get you. So let me explain what we're doing. We get here, and we show up on, the, on this day because we're here to celebrate. We're here to celebrate what we believe is the greatest moment in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and how that changes everything. And we're going to talk about that. So I want to get us in the mood, you know, I want to get you celebrating. We're not here to be all stuffy. I know I got my tie on, my double Windsor. I just learned this today. <laughs> I don't normally wear my tie, but you know, we want to take this seriously, but we want to have fun too. So let's not choke the fun out. All right. So I'm going to shout out, he is risen. And you're going to shout back at me, he is risen indeed. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling it. All right. Let's try it again. He is risen yeah, I was getting a little better. I'm, I'm still looking at, I'm looking at some of you guys, and I'm, you're like, hmm, I'm vibing you. You're not so sure yet. Well, that's why we're in this message. Um, I just love how Mark ends his gospel. We've been studying the gospel of Mark as a church since August, journeying with Jesus into this, to this very moment right here. This is like the Super Bowl in the kingdom of God. When Jesus took the field, him and death squaring off, and Jesus won. After 600 verses and 16 chapters, Mark ends it with these eight verses. And I just love how Mark keeps it real, and he just gets to the point. Can you appreciate that today? Can you appreciate a preacher who gets to the point? I'm going I'm to do that for you. Okay? He, get, he keeps it real because Jesus is resurrected, and when the disciples show up, oh, wait, they don't even show up. There's no disciples. 
So you're thinking, this is the moment, this is game day, and the disciples don't even show up, much less wear their swag and their hats and their gear. The women show up, though, and we'll talk about them in a minute. And the passage isn't full of vibrant expectancy. The women aren't showing up, I can't wait to see Jesus resurrected, oh my gosh, no. They have no expectation that he's alive. And the passage, get this, to keep it real, ends with afraid. That's the last word in the passage. It's full of fear, trepidation, confusion. What is happening? Mark keeps it real, right? This is no airbrushed, you know, legend or myth. This is not Instagram filtered. This is no, there's no fog machine and lasers shooting through out from, you know, the tomb. It's just a bunch of human beings, heads spinning. Whoa, what has happened? And Mark keeps it real. But secondly, he's to the point. He's so to the point that Jesus is not even in the passage. Did you notice that? We're talking about Jesus, but he is not there. It's almost like Jesus has this attitude of, oh, death? Yeah, been there, done that. Ain't nobody got time for that. And he's kind of moved on already out of the moment. And he's moving on and inviting all of us who want to be a part of his eternal life to join him. So Mark starts with these women. Let's start right at the very beginning, this group of women who are wondering how they're going to roll the stone away. I want to focus you on that question. Eight verses. This is an important line. Let's go to the image. You see, back in the old days, these tombs, they didn't have doors. And so they had these stones. And if you were really wealthy, as Joseph of Arimathea was, who allowed, who gave his tomb up to be used for Jesus, you could get your stone rounded out. You know, it was like the Tesla of tomb covers. <laughs> no, seriously, it took effort and work to smooth that sucker out. Now look, let's go to the next slide. Here's the, it's about two tons of stone. So these three women, when they're like, how are we going to roll that thing? It's a real problem. Now look at this right here is the groove. It's going to roll down a slight decline, and it's going to lock into place so that if you were to want to roll that thing away, you would have to push it uphill, two tons uphill. It's not going to happen. So the women are concerned. Now, I want to talk about the stone for a minute as regards to you and all of us in this room. The stone, it represents something. I think it represents the barriers that we all feel to believing and living or accessing the power of Jesus' resurrection in our life. Now, that barrier might represent, for some of us in this room this morning, the barrier of belief, believing that this moment is, in fact, a historical, real moment that happened. It's not the fabrication of deranged imaginations trying to cover up their grief. Maybe your barrier is, did this really happen? Is that you? How about the rest of us? Maybe for other of us, oh, you believe it's real. You know this thing happened, but you're not sure if it has any meaning for your life today. Great, good for Jesus. He rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. It's like celebrating the first Super Bowl, and it's like and ignoring the one that's happening today. It's like, yay, I don't even know when that was, but imagine getting all excited about that one. You someone know that? I thought someone just whispered it. Okay. What difference does Jesus' resurrection mean for us in our life right now and today, in our marriage, in our friendships, in our life? All right, I want to give you an example. Okay, Did, I want you to take a guess here. Okay, here we go. 
How long do you think the longest held breath is in the Guinness World Book of Records? How long do you think someone has held their breath to hold the reigning title of holding your breath? No. All right, we got it. Okay, hold that thought. Turn, turn and share with each other how long you think that record is. Go ahead and share. Go ahead and share. Take a shot at it. What is, what is he saying? What do you think? What do you think? 24 minutes. <laughs> you want to come up? You want to come up here? Come on up, man. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on up. Come on up with me. What's your name? Mason. Mason, come here. Okay, you guys can hear him on my mic. All right, Mason, you're going to just talk right here. Okay, so tell me your game again. Mason. Okay, okay. How much did you guys guess for this time? Okay, maybe hold up, you know, shut out some numbers. Yeah, all right, all right. It's close, close. Yes, yes, I hear all close, close. Okay. You, you go, you go ahead and tell me the answer. 24. 24 minutes. minutes. That's right. Give me a high five. Come on, high five. Boom, Mason. All right, man. You go on back to your dad right there. He's right. And I was impressed. Um, but here's actually an interesting parable. It's because Mason was with us this morning at service. <laughs> oh, but that says something about the passage, doesn't it? Hearing a story and passing it on. Oh, well, we'll come back to that. Oh, okay, so my point is this. 24 minutes is incredible, right? That's about enough time to get through watching an episode of Gilmore Girls with my daughter. Yes. Come on, dads. Yep. Um... But what difference does that make? It's, it's interesting, it's fun, but does it change your life? It does not change your life. No. Jesus' resurrection is relevant because it's an event in history that has changed the world forever and your life, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So these two barriers, is it real and is it relevant to our life? Let's go to Mark. Mark says this, how does Mark help us know that this is real? Okay, let's start there. Verse one, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus's body. Now, how does this help us see the reality and the veracity of this historical moment? It's, it's right here in the fact that it's these three women named. They're named because at the point that this letter was circulating, you could actually go talk to these eyewitnesses about what they saw. But here's what's really important. Um, in the first century world, a woman's testimony held next to zero weight in a court of law, both in the Jewish system and also in the Roman system. Uh, secondly, if you want to fabricate a story, you're going to want credible eyewitnesses. Do you not? Okay, try this on for size. One of these women, Mary Magdalene, had seven demons kicked out of her life by Jesus himself. I mean, that is crazy, right? Can you imagine if I came out here today and said, hey guys, oh my gosh, I had a great week. Seven demons kicked out of my life this week. Woo, I'm feeling a little lighter. You might be like, oh my gosh, what church are we at? Like, where are we? You might not elbow your, your friend who brought you. In other words, the credibility, if you want to make up a story, you wouldn't choose these women and these women in particular. Listen to Celsus, who went on record um, in the second century, okay, and uh, he's a Greek philosopher who was very much opposed 
to the resurrection story. This is what he said. He said, Christianity can't be true because the written accounts of the resurrection are based on the testimony of women. And we all know women are hysterical. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you know what? Do not go to Celsius for marital advice. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Well, fortunately, none of us are laughing because we don't agree with Celsius. He's he's absolutely out of his mind. But um, even more important, though, is that it reveals that for the first couple hundred years, if you do the research, you'll see that this was one of the ironclad ways of refuting the reliability of the resurrection account, that it was women who were the eyewitnesses. Now, that's really important because if you are trying to make up a story, you're not going to choose women to tell the story, to be the eyewitnesses. But it is the authenticating fingerprint of a savior who loved to make outsiders insiders, who chooses, as the Bible puts it, the weak, to shame the strong, the foolish, to shame the wise. Not weak and fo- that women are weak and foolish, but in culture, in society, he chooses those who are excluded to be the ones to shame those who consider themselves on the end. Now that, that sounds like God. That's God. Jesus chooses this group of women to be his first to proclaim that he is risen. Now that in itself is a powerful argument for the veracity of this account being the product of eyewitnesses. Besides, how many people here have lost a loved one or a friend in their life? Raise your hand. Okay. Do any of us find any comfort in making up a story that they're actually not dead but really alive? Would you be comforted if someone came and said, oh, no, 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 your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your child, they're not dead. I saw them, they're alive. Would that comfort you? No, it would not. It might offend you and anger you. So are you running around when the one that you love the most is dead and people are, you're gonna go make up stories? You're not gonna do that. But this power, the power of this moment where these women are empowered to go be the, to be the first to proclaim transforms people, and it's still transforming people today. I want to tell you a quick story, a story of Lucy. Lucy was struggling with anxiety and depression and was fighting a physical illness. She was going to the University of San Francisco and had lost her way with God, was not walking with God, did not have faith in God, but her friend Mia who was like one of the last people she imagined becoming a Christian, became a Christian, and was going to get baptized at our sunrise service a year ago today. And Lucy was invited to come and see, support her friend getting baptized, so she flew down to support her friend. But as she was listening to the story of the resurrection, as she was listening to these eyewitness accounts, something began to stir in her mind and in her heart that she wasn't expecting. Maybe like you, she did not come expecting to have an encounter with God and to surrender her life to him. But as the message continued, something began to touch her and she began to be awakened and put in touch with her longing to be in relationship with God and the deep hope in her that there was a way through her anxieties and her problems to God's presence. I just talked to her a couple weeks ago, and that young woman received Christ a year ago. She walked forward. She accepted Jesus in front of 2,000 people at the beach, not even expecting that was what she was going to do. And I just talked to her a couple weeks ago, and she's walking with Jesus. 
She's growing in her faith. My friends, lies and made-up stories, they entertain us. They are scintillating. They're captivating, but they don't transform our life. And that young woman is transformed. Because this is more than a made-up story. This is true. Jesus rose from the dead. Now, I want to talk about the second part. So the first part, is it real? The second one is this. Is it relevant? Fine, it's real. But let's, does it change my life? Look at verse 7. But go, tell his disciples, and who? And Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Why Peter? Why does the angel say, go tell the disciples and Peter? Why does he pull him out of the crowd and single him out? Think about it for a minute. If you know the story, then you remember that Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. Do you remember how the story goes? Peter told Jesus, hey, I will be with you to the end, Jesus. I will even die with you. And then when he was tested, when that confidence and that loyalty was tested, he denied Jesus, not just once, you guys, not just twice, but three times denying that he even knew Jesus. Have you ever had a moment where you let yourself down, where you let yourself down as a friend, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a teammate, where you <coughs> hoped that you would rise to the moment, but you just didn't have the patience that you had hoped you had, or didn't have the self-control. You wanted to be more forgiving, but you're caught up in resentment, or more generous, but just couldn't let go. Want to be peaceful, but you just can't break free from the grip of fear, or anxiety, or frustration. Have you ever had a moment when you're just not finding inside of you what you wish was there? That's where Peter is. Peter's in that moment. And no one feels more like an outsider than Peter. Now, this is, leads us into the two things that establish the relevance that I want to present to you today. Why is Jesus' resurrection relevant to you right now where you're sitting? Number one, because there is no one too far for God. There is no one so far that they are outside of his reach. There's a story of a guy recently in um, March 21st, 2023. This guy just broke another record. You know what this guy did? David Bensel, uh, Czech man, went to a frozen lake in Switzerland, and he cut a hole in it, and without a wetsuit, and with just one breath in his lungs, he dove down and descended to 170 feet below the surface of a 33-degree frozen lake. I mean, who are these people, right? I mean, like, what possesses a person to do that? But it's amazing, isn't it? But it doesn't change your life. Jesus, listen to this, he had to die because in dying, he descended into the depths of our sin, our darkness, so that nothing could separate you from him so that nobody would be outside his reach. You see, the good news is that you don't have to be smart enough. You don't have to be good-looking enough, religious enough, perfect enough. You don't have to have enough degrees. Isn't that how most of life is situated? You don't have to be popular enough. You just have to be willing to trust God that he has made a way for you into his presence, into his life 
forever. So maybe you're sitting there going, no, Ryan, there's barriers between me and God. I'm too far from God. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, one, you've got too many doubts in your mind. You're too smart, you know what I mean? You're like one of those really smart people. You can always see through everybody's shenanigans. Everybody else will believe it, but just not you. You're just cursed with too much sheer, raw intelligence. And you just can't believe the shenanigans. Maybe you got too many doubts for you. And that's the two-ton stone between you and Jesus' resurrection power. How about this? Maybe for some of you, you're saying you've waited too long. I was talking to a, a man recently who said, you know what? He was in his 50s, and he had lived his life without God all his life. He's like, how can God forgive me? I've caused so much harm to myself, to my family, to my children. Can my kids forgive me? I told him, when you accept Jesus, he not only forgives you, but he cleans up our life and the mess that we have made. It's never too late. That guy, this was a year ago I talked to him. That guy just got baptized this morning, get this, with his son who wasn't walking with Jesus, with his ex-wife and all their kids. Listen, Myths and made-up stories, they entertain. They don't transform you. They don't make you into a new person. But this story, when you open your heart to it, it's like grabbing a hold of electric power lines, and it will change your life. Where you least think you could be changed the most, or where you least feel you need it. Uh, but maybe you're saying, Ryan, no, that's not my issue. That's not the stone between me and God. For me, it's I'm angry with the church. Ryan, haven't you read history and read all the ways Christians have used religious authority to minimize and marginalize and hurt people? Or maybe for you, it's just plain old disappointment with God. There's a moment where he didn't answer your prayer or your life has not turned out the way you had hoped. There's a problem in your life and God's just not solving it and you're disappointed. What is that stone for you? What is that barrier? The resurrection is relevant because it reveals that there is nothing in your life that can put you out of his reach. Where do you hear a story like that? Usually it's us trying to convince. When you go into an interview, do you come in? Like, let me tell you all the reasons why you should not hire me. I mean, can you imagine going in the interview like, we're going to lay out all the reasons and all the sins of your life, and this is why we shouldn't hire you. No, you come in there going, let me show you the reasons why you should hire me. Let me bring out all my best qualities. But see, with God, it's not like that. It's about bringing to him all the things that you think disqualify you. And Jesus says, I paid for it on the cross. You're free. I've made a way. My friends, listen, when you begin to open your heart to the resurrection, you will find a way through your doubts, through your fears and your disappointments. But you have to open up to him. You have to come to him and let him reveal himself to you. Second, Jesus' resurrection means unshakable hope. So it means forgiveness. That's relevant. We all need to be forgiven. We all need a fresh burst of new life. We need a second chance. But secondly, hope. I think more than ever in today's world, we need hope. 
no matter, despite all the technology, all we've done is made it easier and have diversified our portfolio on how to harass, annoy, and disturb each other. You know, the things you can see on the internet can just make you go, oh my gosh, why do people do this? Have you had a moment like that with the internet? Like, wow, people are making money doing that. That's incredible. But seriously, more than ever, we need hope. Hope is confidence today for tomorrow. Because see, no one here has a crystal ball and knows what's going to happen tomorrow. No one can read the future. So here's hope. Hope is how do you find confidence today when you don't know how your relationship's going to turn out tomorrow, when you don't know how the test is going to go, when you don't know how your future is going to go? How do you find confidence today when you don't know the future? Because that's what hope is. And when you don't have a hope that is bigger than everything else, your hope is in what? What is it in? It's in everything turning out just like you need it to, like you planned it to. And if it doesn't turn out like you planned it to, like you need it to, then you have no hope at all. And that's why we live in the most anxious age in human history. Statistically, scientifically, my friends, we live in the most anxious period of human history. It's because our hope is not big enough. Now, listen to what Jesus says about hope. Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, here's the kicker. Whoever lives by believing in me will, what? No, that's a big promise. Will never die. But it's not about just dying, my friends. It's about beginning to live now in this faith. When you live believing in him, you are filled with a hope about the future that is firm and strong and not dependent on how awesome you are or your perfect plans coming together because we all know what it's like to have our plans fall apart. Come on, I'm going to share a story with you. I've been waiting to share this story for a year. I've been holding it. And it's a really uh, special story. I was um, talking, I was in, asked to meet with a young guy. This guy really wanted to meet with me last year. I didn't know him at all, so when I finally got to the coffee shop over here at the church, I see this pretty good, tall, young guy right out of high school, but very, very thin. Something about his thinness kind of caught my attention, but I sat down. I said, hey, what's up, man? Tell me your, tell me your story, and he just started to tell me about his high school life because he had just graduated, and at one moment, I think the guy's kind of bragging. You know, He's kind of just boasting. He's like, man, bro, I, we just won CIF. I'm like, hey, good for you, CIF basketball. And uh, at Torrey Pines. And this kid was telling me how he got to make the three-point winning shot at the buzzer. And he got a full ride to Cal State University of Northridge. Wants to be a professional basketball player. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And I'm thinking, why is he telling me all this, you know? And uh, then he finished the story. And he started to tell me how he had beat cancer and it was in remission, but it had come back. And that's why he was so thin and gaunt. And he told me, you know, Ryan, I wanted to meet with you because I want people to know that Jesus is bigger than everything. And I go, well, what do you mean? I want to meet with you because I want to share my story and I want to know if you'd want to share my story because now that I'm facing cancer, I get it. I just get that Jesus is bigger than it all. He's bigger than my sports. He's bigger than what I've accomplished. And he's bigger than my dreams. I don't know if I'll ever get to be that basketball player. 
I don't know if I'll ever get to go to the pros. I don't even know if I'm going to live past tomorrow, but I know that Jesus is bigger. Do you see what I'm talking about? There was this hope in his eyes. I mean, I just will never forget it. I said, bro, let's record your story. I want you to share it. I have to leave on vacation, but when I get back, let's get your story and let's share it with people. By the time I got back, Nick Herman had died. He died in August at uh, 7.40 a.m. I wanted to share that story with you because in that moment, what God wants to hear, wants us to hear, is that there is something bigger than our basketball dreams, as good as they are. There is something even bigger than our life itself and our future. Listen to what it says in the Bible. He, Jesus, is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. And I believe that Jesus went ahead of Nick, and when Nick breathed his last breath, Jesus was there to greet him. Is that relevant? How relevant is that? That wasn't just a hope that Nick had for when he died. That was a hope that was strengthening Nick in his life while he was living. And I'm telling you guys, I wasn't looking at the eyes of some kind of person who was living some kind of fantasy life. There was a groundedness and a strength and a joy in his countenance. Ryan, there's something bigger even than my life. I want people to know. And I told God, I didn't get to make that video, but I wanted to honor him. And I asked the Lord to show me when I could share that story. And today's it. Today, the biggest day of all. I'm sharing Nick's story because you need to know, and he wants you to know, and Jesus wants you to know, that when you put your faith in Jesus, he infuses into your life a hope that is bigger than anything that you can hitch your wagon to. Where's your hope? Where's your hope? When you put your faith in Christ, he gives you a hope, not just for when you die. What does Jesus say here? Look, he says, we'll get back to verse seven. He's going ahead of you into where? He doesn't say, I'll see you in heaven. I'll see you in Galilee. The resurrection is hope today when you go home. When you go home to your classes, when you go home to your family, to your home, when you go home to your health, when you go home to your whatever is your broken dreams, your broken body, your broken heart, your struggling mind, Jesus will meet you there and you will see him, just like Nick. I want to invite the band to come on out. As the band comes out, I just want you to know that Jesus has gone ahead of you, and that is the most relevant thing of all. He goes ahead of us in every area of our life, and he goes ahead at the moment that counts the most, when you breathe your last breath. You see, this moment is 40 hours after Jesus had breathed his last breath. He didn't hold his breath for 24 minutes, 40 hours, and he rose. And when you put your faith in that historical fact, supernatural hope comes into your life because the person of Jesus begins to take residence in your life. And I just want to give you a moment to reflect where is the barrier for you between you and God? And where this morning do you need God to roll away that stone so that you can begin living in the power of his resurrection? Let's take a moment and reflect. Savior, say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray.
finishes his story with two things, a call and a cliffhanger. The call to believe that Jesus made the impossible possible, that he did rise from the dead, that it's not a myth or a legend, but a historical fact that humanity can't shake with all of our technology and all our sophistication. We can't shake it. It's just got a hold of us. Because deep down inside of us, there's a homing beacon that is calling us home to God, to relationship with him and where we belong, living for eternity in the radiance and in the sunshine of his goodness. That, my friends, is your destiny and is what you were made for. And through Jesus Christ, everything that separates us from God, our sin, our doubts, the sins that have been committed against us, and the sins that we have committed, we're healed, we're free. Where do you hear a message like that? But that's it. It's a call to believe, and it's a, it's a cliffhanger. What will the women do? Are they going to go out and tell anybody? Or are they going to stay back and be afraid? Well, we know they go out and tell people. They don't just tell the disciples, they tell the world, and they go public with what has happened. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now because Mark meets us right where all of us are at right now. He ends with the last word, afraid. And maybe some of us in this room are right there with God. You're afraid of surrendering your life to him. You're afraid of the difference, the change that letting God into your life might make. You're afraid of what people might think of you. But right now it's a cliffhanger because what are you gonna do with this message, with this radical good news? Are you gonna listen to it and move on and ignore it? Or are you going to open your heart and let it begin to change your life from the inside out, change your marriage, change your whole life, body, mind, and soul? So Jesus said this, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. If you are willing to accept that Jesus died for you and he rose for you, yeah, you're going to be saved. That's the deal. You're going to be saved to live a life of supernatural hope and peace. You're going to be filled with God's life, his presence. Could you use some of that right now? 
Could you use some of that? Look, some of you guys have never done that before. Others of us, maybe you've done it in the past, but it's like time to renew that faith and not just make your relationship with Jesus a once a year thing, but say, Jesus, I'm ready to go all in with you. I'm ready to allow you to resurrect my faith and go all in. In fact, either of those describe you. I just want to invite you wherever you're seeing just to raise your hand. And you're raising your hand as a way of saying, Jesus, I want you in my life. Yep, I admit I need you in my life. Right now, as you put your hand up, I see you guys, I see you. You're saying, Jesus, come in. Maybe you're in a place as a Christian where you need a fresh breakthrough of that hope. Raise your hand as well. You need a, a breakthrough of hope. There's a place where you feel cut off and sealed off from God and his goodness in your life and you need a breaking through of his resurrection power. I want to invite you to just raise your hand. Putting up your hand is just, a, it's, a, it's, like a, it's like when I stood in front of a room full of people and exchanged vows with my wife and we exchanged rings. This didn't make her love me. Didn't make me love her, but it represented the love between us. Are you ready to make, take that stand? Because Jesus publicly was crucified for you. And by raising your hand, you're receiving his life for your life. He will take your life. He will take it all. Your sin, your brokenness, your doubts, and he will give you his life. Anybody else want to raise their hand and receive Christ as Savior, as leader, receive his hope? Okay. If you're raising your hand, ready? You're going to pray a simple prayer with me. Let's do this right now. Right here we go. Pray out loud. Okay. Pray it out loud. Jesus, I receive your death for me and your rising from the dead to bring a breakthrough of hope, salvation, forgiveness, peace, reconciliation, joy, wisdom, and eternal life into my soul right now. I receive your Holy Spirit. Now just take a moment in your own heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. Fill me with your hope. Fill me with your presence. Bring your light into my darkness. Just, just in your own words, just say it to him. Welcome him in. Okay. You ready for the next big step? Yeah, I got my crew up here. We got my crew. Okay, if you just raised your hand, I want to ask you to do one last thing. Don't let this be a moment that is like an emotional moment that you go, oh, you know, with all the Easter eggs and the hard-boiled eggs and all the fun, you forget about what happened right now. So let us pray with you, give you a free gift, and seal the moment with a moment of prayer. I got my friends up here who are ready to pray with you. These guys are incredible. Let them pray with you. If you raise your hand, the song's gonna play, band's gonna play one last song for a minute. Make your way to the front. If your friend or loved one raised their hand, come on down with them. Friends, family, come on down and pray with our team for a minute. We're not gonna try to sell you a timeshare or kidnap you to a mothership. I promise, we're not gonna, we're just gonna pray for you. And we wanna seal this moment with you. Make it just really real in your heart. Let us pray for you guys. Come on down to the front during this song. Make your way to the front right now. Yeah, we're going to sing, Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up. 
Wedding's fun, all the good food. It's a party. That's what we're having right now. But this is just the beginning. When you open your life, it is resurrection life, man. It, it just is getting started. I have deputized you. Consider yourselves fully deputized. You've gone through the training. You survived. You made it. And you are now released and sent out today to proclaim the good news. Like these women, he has risen. He has risen. So I want to send you out, and just, if you don't know our church and you're just visiting, one last thing. We're about to start a series on the Holy Spirit next week. And if you don't know who the Holy Spirit is, woo, you got to come have some fun with us. I won't be wearing this tie. All right, for one. And uh, we're going to be having a blast. Come and learn about the Holy Spirit and the presence of God living inside of you. God bless you guys. Have a great Easter. Have fun.